Welcome to the Chase Med Search Podcast, your place for discussions involving hiring and recruiting for sales, clinical specialists, and other commercial positions in the medical device technology sector, where we talk about ways to get in, stay in, and improve within this niche of the industry that we all love so much. We also cover technological advancements, leadership discussions, and interview current medical device representatives that have some pretty unique backgrounds. I'm your host, Jordan Chase, taking you on a guided tour of my last 20 years of experience working in the med tech sector. Let's get on into it. All right, welcome to the Chase MedSearch podcast. My guest today is Rob Moxon, who is currently serving as a regional manager at Neuropace. Rob brings 18 years of implantable medical device experience to the table. He started his medical device career with Medtronic's Global Movement Disorders Group, supporting intrathecal baclofen and deep brain stimulation. His tenure also included working with pain pumps and spinal cord stimulators. Prior to medical device, Rob was a licensed physical therapist in Sacramento, California, and he's currently living in San Antonio, Texas, with his wife of 26 years and two kids. Welcome, Rob, to the podcast. Hi, Jordan. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Absolutely. Always a pleasure talking with you, and I am excited today to have you on. My goal in these podcasts is to be informative, fun, uh, entertaining, and hopefully people learn some things. And I like to cover frequent questions that I get from guests. So we'll we'll dive into all that eventually. But uh, I wanted to just kick off, you know, I read a little bit of your bio. And, you know, I'd love to hear you kind of put it in your own words about your early career, your clinical background. How did you, you know, sort of early begins? How'd you break into medical devices? Let's talk about that. Yeah, that can be a tough step. I had been a, a physical therapist out in Sacramento, California, and it was a very nice job, but I found myself watching the clock a lot, spending my day doing the same things over and over again, and time would kind of drag by, and I thought, you know what, that's just not a good good sign for me. So uh had vendors coming in and calling on me in that setting and had some exposure to industry, and it seemed very intriguing. So started going to interviews, looking into opportunities, and was very, very fortunate to get an opportunity uh, with Medtronic. Brian Terrace took a chance on me and gave me a shot to be a patient services coordinator with Medtronic, which is a, a clinical position. The PSC. Um, I remember that position. Yeah, I, uh, I think you had signed my offer letter on that, Jordan. So we have been uh, working <laughs> together for a long, long time. We have indeed. Brian's a great guy and obviously found a, a gem in you. You went for the gusto when you transitioned from that position to the largest medical device company in the world. That's not a step that many people take initially to get in. Well, well I was very fortunate to get that opportunity, and it was it was quite a ride. Um, Medtronic at the time was bringing on physical therapists, occupational therapists to help with their Global Movement Disorders Group, which was deep brain stimulation and interthecal baclofen. There was a lot to learn very quickly. So they had fantastic training. It was a, a marvelous company, but you were definitely drinking from a fire hose. So the, the training was intense and the, the responsibilities were, were high. It was just such a great opportunity, though. Shortly after that, Medtronic did change direction and three quarters of those folks were gone within the year or so. 
it was, you know, you, you wanted to do as good as you could and work very, very hard and, and perform well. Absolutely. And after a year that uh, year or so, I was lucky enough to be offered an associate sales rep position. That was, uh, again, another very, very fortunate opportunity. Excellent. You know, I end up in my role talking to a lot of clinicians, nurses, physical therapists, more doctors than people would even imagine want to get into the medical device industry and see either the clinical specialist field role or sales role as their ultimate objective. What was it in your clinical background that made you attractive to Medtronic right off the bat? Had you had experience with intrathecal baclofen or or deep brain stimulation at that point in your career? No, I, I really hadn't. So it wasn't that part of my background that I believe gave me the foot in the door. Although some of my colleagues that I were hired on with did have extensive background working with patients that would ultimately get baclofen pumps or deep brain stimulators. I believe what, what gave me the edge was I worked with the sales team at the physical therapy clinic. They would go out and look for um, new clients. It was occupational medicine. And I really enjoyed going out with the sales team and educating uh, employers on the benefits of working with our group. And I think it was that background that gave me an edge in that interview process. So if I heard you right, then you were not only bringing a good, strong clinical foundation to the table, but you had expanded beyond that role and you were actually seeking out and involved in sales processes around the clinic where you worked. That's right. Yeah. It was a lot of fun to go out and, and meet with employers and teach them about workplace hazards and just get them interested in working with the, with the group that I was, I was working with in physical therapy. So it was, it was exciting to get to go out with sales reps and I really enjoyed that. I think that came through in the interview process. Was it a difficult transition for you? And if it was into medical device sales, what were some of the, the transition points that you remember saying, wow, I've never done this before. I don't even know if I can do this. Jordan, that was a huge transition for me. And I can remember there was a, a lot of anxiety involved with that in almost every aspect of the job, going from a clinician into medical device, from going to the OR to business dress. Um, to working with a lot more technology than I was used to. Uh, the, the transition was steep, but it was very exciting. What advice would you give someone who may be out there in the, uh, let's pick an area of the country, Northern California, you know, that's working as a physical therapist and they're listening to this podcast and they think, you know, I want more than what I'm currently doing feeling the way you were, what advice would you give them to go about their journey of breaking into medical device? I would encourage someone to take a long-term look at where they want to go because you may take a job that is completely different from what you're doing. You may need to take a cut in pay. You might need to do something completely different. You know, Rob, one of the things that I often say when I'm talking to clinical folks is as you mentioned, your long-term goal is it to get into medical devices and sort of serve in a clinical support position because that's a good career. You can those people are worth their weight in gold. You know, any sales rep in implantable medical devices knows or or other medical device niches too. They know when they have a really good clinical person 
that can be there that can run the case and assist the doctor and give advice and provide all the technical support, they have a tremendous asset that helps them succeed because no one succeeds in, in many areas of this business by themselves. Or I say, so that's one path. The other path is you can look at things from a sales perspective and say, I've got this clinical foundation, but I really want to move into sales ultimately. And I want to leverage my clinical foundation to get that job. And those are two distinct sort of binary kind of paths, are they not, Rob? Jordan, I, I completely agree with you on that. If, if your goal is to get into the sales side, it would serve you well to get some sales experience. And that might take leaving your comfort zone where you're currently working in a clinical position in order to get that experience. If you're working on the clinical side and you plan on staying on that clinical side, you, you might want to build your skills so that you can demonstrate that you can work in different environments in a, in a less structured environment that you're probably working with as a clinician. So I, I agree with you. They're, they're two different pathways usually. That's a great point. And, you know, one of the things that I try to paint the picture for people is what a day in the life looks like as a clinical specialist. I know you were a patient services person, which is maybe an early forerunner of the clinical specialist role or slightly different. But can you kind of give people an idea of what the differences were uh, when you initially started in that type of role, which was more clinical support focused and then what it was like as a sales rep, kind of two different pictures of a day in the life. Certainly. And you're right. The uh, patient services coordinator was an early clinical specialist position that just had a bit more presentation and education component to it. So the wonderful thing for me about, about that position was just the variety of activities. We covered large territories. We would you'd get up in the morning. You didn't know where you'd be going from day to day was highly varied and uh, going in covering cases covering follow-up visits in the clinic with patients it had a high level of patient interaction which i just loved and and a high level of clinician engagement and you got to bring your area of expertise into the or and really become part of the clinical team and i, I really enjoyed that as i moved to sales uh, certainly you had to bring more value um, so that not only were you bringing that clinical component, that clinical value, but then you had to bring the business acumen into it. So whether you were working with referral development or showing the economics of a product, you had to have value with uh, other expertise in there. So that, that just made the job all the more exciting. Yeah, they're very different uh, in, in some ways. In some ways, they're very similar, but I think one of the things that I've heard is when people make that transition from pure clinical support into sales, having a quota is a whole brand new experience. That does up the ante a bit. Uh, having a number <laughs> over your head adds a lot of pressure, but it also, it, it feeds you. It, it, it adds excitement to the, the position. It's something you'll either embrace or it will just not be a good fit for you. So I, I know clinical folks who've moved up and, and that part of the job is very unattractive to them and they tend to get out of that position. Right. But folks who stay in sales embrace the, embrace the quota and that part of the job. 
And once you moved into that role, you enjoyed quite a bit of success. You've moved up, you moved into management, you have been a very successful manager at a number of companies now, including your current one. And there's been obviously learning and growth along the way. One of the things, though, that I, we, I do want to back up because we talked about interthecal baclofen and deep brain stimulation. Can you just sketch real quick for us what those are? Yeah, so when I got my start, it was with interthecal baclofen and deep brain stimulation. And two amazing therapies. Interthecal baclofen has an implanted pump that delivers medication in and around the spinal cord and helps people who have a phenomenon called spasticity. And it was extremely effective for people who have um, cerebral palsy or multiple sclerosis or a, a brain injury. And I also worked with deep brain stimulation and that helped people who had essential tremor and Parkinson's where uh, electrical stimulation was brought into the deep brain. There was implanted pulse generator and it was highly effective therapy, really helped people out. That's great. And you're working with a fantastic therapy now over at Neuroface and you have done very well for yourself over there as a manager, uh, leading a great team. And really, this is a therapy that I think more people need to be aware of because it serves a patient market that is in uh, rather desperate need of uh, attention and the kind of outcomes that this product, the RNS therapy delivers. Can you talk to us a little bit, just in layman's terms, as if you were explaining it to a patient or a family member, what RNS therapy is and what it does? So RNS therapy is responsive neurostimulation. It's for people who have partial onset epilepsy that is drug resistant, and it's for people who are over 18 years old. It's a fantastic therapy that has 82% seizure reduction at three years. It gives people the opportunity to not only see what their seizures look like, but their clinicians can see the seizures. They can find rhythms in their treatments. They can help manage their medications with it. It's a truly remarkable therapy. And I've heard this system referred to as uh, the first truly closed loop system in neuromodulation. And I can take a stab at what that means, but I think you could probably explain it better. What does it mean to have a truly closed loop system? You're absolutely right, Jordan. So um, this is brain responsive closed loop therapy. So this system is monitoring the brain all the time and doesn't stimulate unless it sees something that it wants to stimulate. So it's looking for unusual activity that would be the onset of a seizure. And that's the only time it stimulates. It is it's truly amazing. When I learned about this, I packed up my family in California. We moved to Texas because this was an opportunity to work with a therapy that was really cutting edge. That's great. What kind of outcomes have you seen or personally been involved in with respect to this therapy? I mean, it just sounds like this has got to be amazing. And, and the human impact is incalculable. And a lot of times people think about, well, either you have a cure or you don't. But here family members talk about what even a 50% seizure reduction can make mm. in their life, in their independence, in their ability to have a job or go back to school. Mm. It's, it's a dramatic change to reduce seizures by that much. Yeah, it must seem like a miracle to many, many people. I want to switch gears a little bit, Rob. You have ended up in, and worked your way toward a great opportunity, great position. And now you're running a team and, and managing people and leading people. So from a clinician to a clinical support person to a sales rep, to a very successful sales rep, to a 
successful sales rep to a regional manager and now leading a team of people. You know, you've been so successful at that. What is what's in your ingredients for being a successful manager and leading a great team? I think you've just got to enjoy seeing others succeed. Being a sales rep, you have to be a little selfish to be yeah. successful. It's um, it's not a bad thing. It's just part of the job to have continued success. Mm-hmm. And going into leadership, you give that up, and and you're really rooting for others to have success and looking for ways to help them have success. Mm-hmm. And it's highly collaborative. Um, it, it's a really enjoyable position to see other people succeed and reach the goals that they're trying to attain. And that can be a tough transition for highly successful sales reps. I liken the the analogy of uh, the the basketball superstar that then becomes a coach and is an awful coach and can't coach. You know, we've seen it over and over again in the <laughs> NBA where Hall of Famers cannot coach a team successfully. And and I think that's it's a hard, hard transition for individual superstars to make in sales or in basketball or wherever else you might be. And, and you've made it. And I know many, many of the people who work for you or have worked for you. And what you said is, is I think they would all echo it, is you root for their success and enable them to be put in positions where if they do the work, they will be successful. And that's a, that's a, a lost art in some ways. And so uh, it's it's great. Rob, it is awesome having you on the program. I wanted to have this conversation because we've been friends for so long and I know uh, the value that you can bring to the audience. I really appreciate you have, having you on today uh, to talk in depth about your clinical background, your management, leadership, RNS therapy, and all the things you've, you've learned along the journey. Any parting words for us in this conversation? You know, one one important tip that I'd give folks is to seek out mentorship mm-hmm. um, and to put some parameters around that to be a little more specific. Uh, I have a mentor every year and I always set it up for 12 months. Mm-hmm. It's important to put an end time on that so people know what they're getting into. And there's so many people out there that I look, look up to that mm-hmm. I ask one of them for once a year if they would be a mentor for me. And we set up a a once a month phone call. And I've done this for the last five years. And it has been a very powerful experience. And I'd recommend it to anyone who's in the industry, um, especially if you're looking to advance beyond where you are. It'll give you a lot of insight and just perspective that is is so valuable. So that Mm. would be one piece of advice that I would definitely pass on. That's great advice, Rob. And it has been a pleasure having you on this call. I appreciate it. Uh, you've done well and you have been willing to share tips and success tools and, and things that have worked for you, which I think provides so much value to the audience. Thank you again for, ha- for being on. I'm sure we'll be talking soon. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Chase MedSearch Podcast. I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. I want to thank my guests for coming on today's show. I hope that you got a lot of value in the information and experiences that they shared with us. You can subscribe to the show at chasemedsearch.com and follow all of the appropriate links to subscribe through iTunes or Spotify. 
And don't forget to drop a like so we can expand the audience of our show. But I'm also curious to hear your thoughts on this episode. So if you have any questions or feedback, feel free to contact the show's email at podcast at chasemedsearch.com. You can reach out to us there to share your experiences in the medical device industry or even leave a suggestion for a future episode topic. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you have a great week. Make a difference for patients and customers. Stay safe out there and we'll see you next time on the Chase MedSearch podcast. Chase MedSearch is providing this podcast as a public service reference to any specific product, individual, or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by Chase MedSearch. Any views and opinions shared by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Chase MedSearch or any of its employees or contractors.